You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everybody and welcome to the Health Hub. My name is Kathy Biasse and I'm your host and along with our producer Alex Diaz we'd like to welcome you to the show. Good morning Alex. Good morning Kathy. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm very excited about this program in particular. It's going to be a great show. He's actually, you can't see him but he's laughing at me. I'm not sure why he's laughing at me. I'm just a happy guy right now. You're a happy guy right now. Oh that's good. That's good. We have a great show coming up. We're going to be talking about picky eaters and uh this is our attempt to talk to the moms uh, today. This is going to be, a, I really wanted to have a show where we could address something that's quite on point with a lot of, of moms these days. I have four kids and I can't wait to talk to Kristen and, and I'm sure she's going to point me in the direction of where I maybe didn't do the right things. <laughs> I, I was driving down in the car today and I had so many questions popping up in my mind and they all seemed to circle around maybe things that I did wrong. So maybe if I ask some questions along those lines, it may help some of the newer moms that are dealing with with children that they're having a little bit of difficulty feeding. I know I didn't really have picky eaters but I had maybe, especially my firstborn, about habit eating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're a new mom and especially a, a new young mom, y- you worry about these things. And my mother-in-law, um, she used to worry me because Michael was very thin. Mm-hmm. And Michael used to love Peter Pan and Michael and Peter Pan. So he would watch that movie uh, endlessly. And I used to wrap a tea towel around his neck and he'd fly around the house as Peter Pan. And he was too busy to eat. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that's different. And again, we'll talk to, to Kristen about all these things. And I encourage you to call in because this is a really this is a really interesting topic to talk about. But I'm very interested to, to find out, you know, the differences between bad habit eating and picky eating and and what you can do to to move to move your child in the right direction because you know if 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 your child is not eating the way you think they should it can be a little bit stressful on not only you but the rest of the family mm-hmm. and all, all these things that have come to my mind you know if you have one picky eater will that affect other eaters and yeah. then you know yeah, especially like if they're the older older sibling the younger ones tend to you know obviously look up to the older ones and then Exactly. With that, it just causes causes a lot of havoc. But uh, for myself, I didn't really have an issue uh, when it came to eating. I, I used to wake up crying hungry all the time. So, so you had no baby, problem. But so you have no. allergies, oh, which that, also that's takes That's another you. thing. So yeah, with my allergies, I just am not able to enjoy all the foods that I wish I could eat. Yeah. But those, um, the foods that I can eat, I definitely make the most of and 
<laughs> enjoy for sure. Enjoy for sure. I I have never ever in my life liked cooked carrots. I like raw carrots. Mm-hmm. I don't like cooked carrots. So, and other than my husband, like the children yeah. don't like them at all. And I don't know. Like, is that is something it, that's learned? Is it is is it the texture of nope, the carrots it's that the you just outright mm. taste? Okay, I can eat them raw. Um, so you you wouldn't you wouldn't do carrot soup then, for example? No. Oh no. no. Not at all. Okay. Carrots and beets. I like like I said, I like carrots raw, but right, carrots right. cooked I don't like, and beets I avoid. My one daughter likes beets, but um, the yeah. So is that a learned habit from my children? You know, is that something that I passed on to them? It'll be interesting to find out. It'll be interesting to find out. And our guest today, as we alluded to, is Christine Yarker. And she is known as the picky eater dietitian. She's a child feeding expert who is a person that you call when your child isn't doing well and when feeding isn't going well. Since 2008, Kristen has worked with caregivers to provide good nutrition for their kids and instills a love of food that lasts a lifetime. Kristen is the go-to consultant for health authorities and the Beastie Ministry of Health and nonprofit organizations, developing policies and resources used throughout Canada. So we really have an expert on board today. And if you'd like to speak with her directly, you can call in at 416-245-1534, or you can tweet at us at thh at radiomaria.ca or at Kathy underscore Biasi. I'm sorry, the Twitter is at Radio Maria Can. The email is thh at radiomaria.ca. But do call in. Uh, she's very engaging to speak to. She's very well-versed in, in the speaking realm. So 416-245-1534. And when we come back, we will speak with Christine Yarker. you know that's not your name you will always be much more to me and every day i wrestle with the voices that keep telling me i'm not right but that's all right cause i
are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed our break. So just before the break, I told you that we'll be dealing with picky eaters today and maybe other subjects surrounding that. And we're here with Christine Yarker. Good morning, Kristen. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm fantastic today. Awesome. I'll let everybody know that you're calling from Vancouver. So this is an early morning coffee for you. I am. I'm actually in Victoria off on the island. So yes, but it is an early morning. <laughs> Have you been getting the rain that we've been getting here? No, we've had beautiful hot weather. (laughs) We have. Today is sunny. I I actually have not ever experienced the amount of rain that we have had in in, uh, in Toronto. It's it's unbelievable. Toronto Island is virtually underwater right now. So lucky for you. And you're usually getting the rain. So I guess we get a taste of how you guys feel sometimes. (laughs) So you are quite well-versed. You've got a lot of stars uh, by your name when it comes to dealing with kids, with parents and kids and picky eaters. So maybe you could start off by defining for us what you would consider a picky eater. Really, you know, there's all these different definitions and all these different terms that are used. And I really, you know, I've been around a long time working with picky eaters. I don't really get caught up in all these different labels and Mm -hmm. some people call them, you know, fussy eaters, some people call them problem feeders, selective eating, super tasting. Oh, I've heard so many different labels come and go. But really what it what I help out with is when, you know, parents are worried that their little ones aren't eating as they should. You know, their picky eating is getting in the way of them getting the nutrition they need they need. That's and it's causing stress in the family. That's when I help out. And is this usually something that is doctor driven? You know, you t- I know when my kids, I don't even know if this is actually done yet, but when my kids were younger, they were all compared to a certain average chart. And my third son was smaller. He was just smaller on the whole gradient. But is this usually doctor initiated? Like there's something we have to address here or just a, a personal feeling unrest within the parents? Uh, sometimes, I um, have families who are referred to me from doctors, but to tell the truth, I have to say that usually doctors are like, oh, it's fine, don't worry about it, which really isn't helpful. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) And so families usually um, find me on their own. They're they're asking other families, you know, the moms are on Facebook with other moms and ask them and and that's how people hear from me. Mm -hmm. I also, you know, you find me on Google, I I have some columns in different parenting magazines. So parents usually seek me out on their own or or perhaps through uh, daycare or or preschool. They often know about me. So, and so yeah, I what, what find age that do you think? Doctors in their offices kind of shoo it away, but yeah. there can be things going on. Well, I know that even for my younger son, it was, you know, maybe get some amped up drinks in them, but... Um, you try try to stay away from that as best as possible. But what age group are you talking about here? Like, when do parents start to get concerned? Are you dealing with newborns that maybe um, are not nursing well, or do you as your specialty within maybe once we get into solid foods? Yeah, from the solid foods onwards, and um, some some little ones struggle with solid foods from the start, um, but most commonly. Solid foods often goes pretty well, and then it's it's kind of like one day a switch, a, a switch is flipped, mm-hmm. and suddenly the child who you could 
you know, spoon feed most things into suddenly refuses everything. So you're, and, you're dealing on a psychological yeah. and maybe a physiological level with these kids. Yeah, there's often there's often both going on for sure. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. And I'm sure that things have evolved quite a lot with you as the more kids you've seen and, and different aspects and parent worry. I, it, it's, it's really is something that's very interesting. And I was driving down in the car today and I had a million questions and we've already got some people tweeting in. So we're lined up with questions for you. But, you know, why, why would you say that kids generally don't like vegetables? Is it, is it their, their tongue? Is it, yeah, I know that there are spots on the tongue for sweet, savory and so forth, but why, why would you say that kids, a lot of kids just don't like their vegetables? Yeah, you're, you're hitting it pretty close there. Yeah. So, um, kids have different taste buds than we adults do. And in it, as you said, a physiological thing, like the actual taste buds are different. And one of the results from that is that kids taste bitter flavors more strongly than we adults do. And if you think of a lot of vegetables, they naturally have a more bitter flavor profile. So, you know, things like kale and broccoli and cauliflower, they have a bit of a bitter flavor to them. And so kids taste that more strongly. So that's uh, a contributor. And another reason is that all humans, all infants, are born enjoying sweet. If, if you've ever, you know, by mistake, tasted some breast milk, it's, it's quite sweet. And every other flavor, we learn to enjoy through repeated exposure. So salty, sour, bitter, spicy, we learn that through repeated exposure. So, of course, there's some individual preferences, but the little ones are still learning still needing that repeated exposure to like the variety of tastes, and then their taste buds are, are noticing that bitter flavor even more strongly than we do. So, But they gravitate towards the sweeter end. Yes. Mm-hmm. And why is that? As I said, we're born with an innate enjoyment of sweet flavor. And, you know... Right now, within the, the, the diet world, carbs are getting a banging. Um, and that's really where we get a lot of our sweetness from. So when it comes to introducing foods to children, is this something that you work with with parents? So if you're, I, I guess for you, would the ideal being or the ideal situation be having a parent before they're introducing solid foods and working with them on how to initiate them? Or is that is that something that you deal with? I'm just trying to, I've got a lot of people that are tweeting in, and I think maybe they're trying to hone in here on what your, what, what, when they talk to you. Would it be before introducing? Is there, is there any benefit in seeing you at that point? Or are you dealing with, they've had solid foods for a while, and now things have shifted? Yeah, I, I help people in both situations. Absolutely. I do a lot of workshops on how to introduce solid foods and that understanding has really changed a lot, you know, with our understanding of allergies and, and that. And so, yeah, I love to get people going in the right direction to start with. And then I also often work with families when things have gone, going a little sideways. (laughs) It's been a long time since my children were infants and, and toddlers. And I introduced cereal first. Has that changed? That was what I was told to do. So could you enlighten me on nowadays, how you encourage uh, moms and dads to introduce solids? Yeah, so what we recommend is um, starting at about six months 
uh, you know, in that four to six month window. And what we recommend is starting with iron rich foods. And so uh, the baby cereals are fortified with iron. So that's one option. But um, we also recommend a variety of iron rich foods. So if the family eats meat, then that could include meat, poultry like chicken, turkey. You know, out here on the West Coast, we do a lot of fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 seeds, nut butters, beans and lentils, eggs, they're all great iron-rich foods. So we recommend introducing a wide variety of iron-rich foods um, twice a day and then incorporating a nice wide variety of other foods, all the vegetables and the fruits and the grains and get, you know, really get a wide variety in. So that's changed. It used to be, you know, one at a time and very slow and, and that's that thinking has really changed quite a ways. So you've got your child sitting at the table and tell me how you would walk a parent through introducing a new vegetable to them. Do you hide it? Do you expose it? Do you, how, how, what is the process? If you're, if you're a little bit nervous about introducing a new, say something like a beet, which is something that I've never gotten over having, um, how do you introduce that to them? Yeah, so what I recommend is uh, having the family eat together or at least at least one adult eating with the child at a meal and having beets as a part of what you're serving that day. And uh, I always recommend having at least one familiar food for the child, you know, okay. one food that most likely they'll eat. And yes, absolutely, having challenging foods there frequently. The more often you present those challenging foods, the more often the child's used to having them present mm-hmm. and the more comfortable they are with that and, and the more likely they, they will start to eat them. Um, what I recommend is that you role model eating it. And so, because if the child has something totally different than you, that's not going to help. Um, and I don't recommend the forced bite. Okay, so you so just addressed a, a question a that came in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for some kids, you know, some kids the the one bite rule works for. I'm not going to deny that, um, but those aren't the families who are calling me. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, what I find is for for a lot of kids, um, forcing them to try that bite really works against them actually trying it um, because kids who are in that kind of toddler preschoolerhood, they are in a developmental stage where they are a little bit afraid of, of trying new foods. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's developmentally normal. Um, the, you know, I call it food wariness. Like they're a little, they're a little wary mm-hmm. <laughs> of it. You know, the, the fancy science name is called food neophobia, which if you know your Latin just means fear of new things. And uh, and so they are. They're a little scared of it. And if you think of trying to force someone to do something they're scared of before they're ready, how do they respond? They get their back up. They fight you, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and nothing they like fighting resist. with a child, which has the maybe not the reasoning capabilities of an adult. No, they don't. They they don't know why they're scared. There's just something in them that makes them scared. Would the color have anything to do with it? That. 
Like with the color, they can't articulate it. They can't. It's um. They can't articulate it. They they can't. They just know that they don't want to eat that, and they're going to try everything they can to get out of it. The more you force, the more they they fight you. And so, um, what I recommend is you have to play the long game. Repeated exposure, and um, you know, so keep serving it. If it's something that if beets is something you eat in your family, you keep serving beets. Mm-hmm. And you keep eating them, and one day your child will start to eat them. So you've you've done a roundabout answering of the question that someone. So don't I don't need to make my child eat everything on their plate. Please don't. Okay, that Please was don't. That was one of the first ones that came in, and the next one that came in. Um, I just want to segue because they're they're starting to come in here, and I don't. I'd like to get to all of them. Um, I bribe <laughs> my son with dessert to get him to try his food. What do you think of that? Absolutely. That's an age-old one. And what that's teaching is that whatever the food is, is some awful chore. And it, it, encourage, it reinforces that the treat food is extra special. So what you're actually teaching the kids is to hate the vegetables and to love the dessert food. So what I recommend is not using that technique because the studies show that for kids who are have to earn dessert by eating some you know dreaded vegetables when they're on their own they then choose to eat the treat foods and none of the vegetables when Mm. what we of course want our kids to do in our world where there's you know junk food everywhere you go is to be able to manage themselves in that you know to eat to choose to eat vegetables that's the biggest win Mm -hmm. and when you have to earn your dessert by eating some vegetables, it teaches people to not eat the vegetables. You're actually rewarding them. You're, re- you're reinforcing the exact opposite thing that you're intending. That's interesting. So would you offer then dessert at all at any meal if you're dealing with a picky eater? What I recommend, you know, when kids are school age, they can start to understand, you know, how the body works and, and why you can't exist on nothing but dessert. But when kids are, you know, toddlers, preschoolers, they just, don't understand that yet. They're just not old enough. And so what I recommend is not having dessert as a later thing. I recommend whatever you're having on the menu at that dinner, you serve at the same time. So if there's, say, cookies that you would eat as your dessert, you serve it at the same time as the rest of the dinner. And if the child wants to eat their cookie first, then they can eat it, and then they'll move on to the rest of their meal. Where if you say, oh, the, you know, you have to eat dinner before you can have your cookie, well, then the whole meal is just about, you know, how can I get out of eating this meal so I can get to the cookie? Uh, it's <laughs> and okay. everybody's yeah. miserable. And so what I recommend is serving the cookie at the same time. And if, say, there's, you mentioned you have four kids, so if there's, you know, six people in your household, then six cookies go down on a plate in the middle of the table with dinner, and there's one for everybody. And if the child eats their cookie first then they'll eat their other food because they'll still be hungry. Because um, it really doesn't matter what order the cookie ends up in the stomach. Right, okay. <laughs> with the other foods. And you can sh- you can choose to eat your cookie at the end because that's the order you like to have it in. But um, uh, then, kids tend- then kids eat better and they learn to become better eaters, you know, because you're, as a parent, you're not only wanting to have them eat well right now, you're wanting to give them the life skills so that when they're older, they're making healthy choices. So we're talking you know, about you're good habits. Much. You're talking about yeah. good habits and keeping with the family norm. 
So you don't want to take Absolutely. that child out. Okay, that's good. Now, Kristen, we're also yeah, and then perhaps because of that, you maybe dinner maybe dessert isn't served every day. Mm-hmm. If Changing you're not okay with your child eating a cookie at every dinner, then maybe dessert isn't every day. And as the parent, you get to choose how often dessert is served. That's right. And then if you if the other children they get it, they don't get it. It's all the same thing. So that child's not being sort of singled out in the process. Absolutely. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. That was very quick. Um, And we will be back in a few minutes. We have lots more questions for Kristen. And uh, the break will be a few minutes. So enjoy the music. And we will be back shortly. I'm the street lights that guide you home. I'll be the GPS when you've lost your phone. I'll be the song that's rocking in your headphones. I'll show you the signs to let you know you'll never be alone. I started off by saying this. You mean everything to me, nothing I wouldn't risk. Every single second, a moment that passes by. I'm thinking about you and I really want you to know that. There's something more out there. Something that will hold you very tight when you're scared. Cause I know when times get tough and it starts to feel rough. It can feel like everything's crushing down so on you. When it seems like every road you're on his head at dead end There is hope Let me show I'm the street lights that guide you home I'll be the GPS when you've lost your phone I'll be the song that's rocking into your headphones I'll show you the signs To let you know You'll never be alone oh, 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 oh. Wondering where to start Last week you were saying that something just ain't right Laying in your bed, staying up all night Cause this life is harder than it seems But one thing I've learned is never stop chasing your dreams And if it, if it ever gets too hectic for you Stop for a second and remember one thing When it seems like every road you're on is headed at dead end There is hope Let me show
You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Kristen Yarkin. We're the Picky Eater Show today. Kristen, I think maybe the best way, I'm getting lots of questions coming in here. I think maybe we'll deal with situational things, and that might answer some of the questions. I don't think we're going to get to all the questions, and I'll, I'll maybe interject if that's okay when something comes up that is maybe around what we're talking about. But if we deal with sure. some situations, maybe that'll answer some questions. Um, let's go to something like, my child doesn't like meat. So we're worried about getting protein. Is that an issue? Because I know that's the go-to for a lot of people when they're worried about protein and how important it is. What if your child just doesn't like meat? Yeah. And so I, I get a lot of questions from parents around this. And of course, um, you can be completely healthy and be vegetarian. So you don't have to have meat. And so uh, what I recommend is continuing to serve uh, meat for the family and so that your child is getting those repeated exposures to it. But uh, at other uh, snacks and, and meals that maybe aren't the family meals, um, choosing to serve your child the vegetarian protein foods. So those are things like uh, beans and lentils, um, eggs, uh, nut butters or, or nuts if they're older and seeds. And so, um, and perhaps fish or, or chicken if, if they're um, eating those, but not the red meat. Um, often kids don't like uh, meat and it's a texture thing. Mm-hmm. You know, their teeth aren't as, as um, strong as ours. They don't have all the molars and everything that we do. And so it can be tougher for them to chew. So some kids, uh, you know, things like sausages or, or meat-filled tortellinis where the meat's very soft, mm-hmm. um, they, they'll enjoy those. Or like a hamburger soup or something like that. Um, they Kids will like um, where, you know, a, a roast or a steak or something is, is something that That's they don't care for yet. Now, would you yeah. put that on the plate going back to not making them seem out of out of kilter with the rest of the family? Then would you serve the meat on the plate with them? but surround it with other proteins as well? What you want to do is serve the whole family the same okay. thing. So, you know, it might mean some vegetarian meals for the whole family. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, so maybe the whole family is having some vegetarian meals. Uh, or it might be that you, at the meals, you're serving the meat, but say at uh, afternoon snack, you serve um, veggies and crackers and hummus. So there's the chickpeas, you know, providing some protein there. Maybe at breakfast, there's eggs. Uh, maybe at a morning snack, um, if you're, you know, you're, it's either a, some crackers or, or peanut butter um, on, on a tortilla, for example, or, or a no-nut butter version if your child's at a center, a peanut-free center. center. And it's not that hard to get the the required amount of daily protein in a diet when you're introducing foods like this. Am I right? Correct. Okay. Now, then you just let in... Families if they're meat-eating families. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's the easiest way. Now, you've led into a a question that's popped up. My child, you know, a picky eater, should I be giving them snacks or should I be 
I guess the, the, the thought process is making them hungry until the mealtime. What do you think about that? It's a balance. So um, kids absolutely can be motivated by hunger. So you don't want your child to arrive at the table with no appetite because mm-hmm. that's pretty dark, you know, especially the younger kids, they don't enjoy sitting still. And so sitting at the table isn't going to be any fun if they're not hungry. Right, yeah. <laughs> you want them to be motivated by some hunger. Um, but kids do need to eat more than just three meals a day. You know, they've got little stomachs, they've got high energy needs. And so what I recommend is offering food five to six times in the day. And so that might be like breakfast, morning snack, lunch, afternoon snack, dinner. That's five, maybe a bedtime snack is six. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of a classic pattern. And you want there to be at least an hour between a meal and a snack so that they have that opportunity to start building an appetite. Okay, well, what about the child who says... People say snacks and it's just like constant handouts all day long and the grazing doesn't serve kids well. I'm guilty of that. I, I was guilty of that with my first son. He wouldn't sit at the table, and I would just, as he ran by while we were eating dinner, I, and don't judge me for this, but as he ran by uh, the table, I would tell you know tell him that Peter Pan has to eat, and he would stop and he'd have a mouthful and run around. And I know that that's yeah. not the best way to do it, but it, to me, it was uh, I was stressed because he would not sit at the table. I was... Uh, I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show. My my mother-in-law was concerned that he was very slim and that's what I did. And I'm sure that's not how you tell people you're working with to do it. But, you know, sometimes when you feel desperate, you do these things. And it's great to have someone like you so that they can turn to you and, and, you know, and be reinforced that what they're doing is, is the proper way to do it. Because I'm sure you've had so many success stories that you can tell people by example, you know, the tactics that you're showing them. Well, it's just great. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I've never met a parent who isn't doing things from a great, you know, they're trying their best. You know, parents only do these things because they're with amazing intentions, right? So, uh, yeah. And it's and, almost like yeah. I can't think of anything else to do with this child. So, yeah. you know, this is what I'm going to do. And tell me, Kristen, do you find that picky eating is in stages? Do they grow out of it? Or is it something that you actually have to walk them through and get them through this? What I find is it's definitely a stage, uh, but a lot of the common things we do inadvertently keeps them stuck in that stage. So what we, how we respond as parents can help them move through this with more grace and make sure they're meeting their nutrition needs along the way instead of inadvertently kind of keeping them stuck. Do you find it. that children feel pressured sometimes because they don't like the food? Do you oh, see that? Oh, huge. Yeah, kids feel very pressured and they know how much it means to you. And uh, and that is a lot of stress. You know, people say, oh, kids will just grow out of it or, oh, kids won't starve themselves. And, you know, it, that's absolutely true when things are set up in a good way. But, you know, I, I often end up, parents are calling me because kids are, you know, falling off their growth chart and they're not keeping up on their growth. And it's... Um, because things have become so stressful at the table that the child's choosing between, you know, all that stress around eating or feeling hungry. And the child unfortunately chooses, you know, to feel hungry. So I help uh, make sure that the table is a, is a positive place to be. And, and then children will choose to not go hungry. Mm -hmm. Now what happens Mm -hmm. with the child who says that they're full at dinner 
And 15 minutes later, they're hungry after, you know, 15, 20 minutes after you're well into your meal or, or it's, it's a tidy up time. And then they come back to the table wanting something to eat. How do you address that? Mm-hmm. Well, they've usually doing that because A, they found out that, you know, those challenging foods that you want them to eat at dinner, they can avoid. And if they come back 15 minutes later, you can give them their favorite snack foods. Mm. They're not <laughs> so they've they're learned very that. clever children are so clever. Oh, they are amazingly smart. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And that's, you know, that's part of it is, you know, we also, you know, like your little guy there, you know, he's busy and they don't like to sit still and mm-hmm. he's learned he doesn't have to sit still. He can keep playing and you'll spoon food food into him as he keeps running around, you know, and he's mm-hmm. like this serves me very well. This yes, is fantastic. Yes. I, said, I said, don't judge me. I know it was wrong. Looking back, I know oh, it was wrong. I, the way I judge you is that you're a good mom and you're willing to do anything. I, I, was, I was a little hesitant if I should bring it up, but you know what? I got to put myself on the same playing field as everybody else. I had the same Absolutely. challenges. Absolutely is right. Yeah. You know, it, beca- it, can, it, it can really... You don't want to mess up that family dinner dynamic. It's such an important mm-hmm. part of, of life. We try and have a Sunday dinner. I mean, now my kids are older. They're all over the place. But it is something you so want to cultivate. And I, the people that would come seeking out your help, these are all very important things to them. And I think as a parent, you know, just just the, the interlude, my, the next three of mine were okay with eating. Um, but I, I did feel like I was not doing something right. And that pressure can be quite a bit and, you know, I, oh, yeah. and everybody else seems to be doing, I don't know if you get that, but everybody else's uh, children always seemed to be doing well, or they didn't have the issues. And I thought, am I the only one that lets their kid fly around in a, in a tea towel and eat on the fly? You know, is that the wrong thing to do? A lot of pressure. So you, you're, you're dealing on the psychological and the physiological, the whole, the whole concept of, of, of whole health here. Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing hit, hurts you as a mom that you can't even feed your child well, right? Like that hits you in a place that, oof, does that hurt, you know? And um, and so, you know, I yeah, you even you said, right, it's how many years later, and you're like, oh, don't judge me. Yeah, oh, I know, I felt, you know, and I still, feel, I still hear my mother-in-law's uh, voice. Yeah. He's too thin, and, you know, they came from an Italian background. I have no idea what my husband was like and his brothers, but <laughs> my son Michael was too thin, and I felt terrible, you know, and I tried all the tactics. I, I used to make my food and put it in the little ice cube trays and everything. And, and he just, he was, I just felt he was just too busy and I didn't know what to do. And that's that to me, that was the, I didn't have somebody like you to turn to. I didn't know there was yeah. such people at the time. And like yeah, I said, and you know, you know, some kids, um, are trickier to parent around food than others, you know, just like some kids, learn to read really easily and some kids you know need a little more help or mm-hmm. some kids are really coordinated and pick up sports you know really easily and some kids need a little more help it doesn't mean the child's a good kid or a bad kid doesn't mean the parents are good or bad you just you know some kids do these things really naturally and you don't need to do much as a parent and other kids need a little bit more support and so as a parent you should seek out you know a little more help so that you have that extra knowledge of how to support, you know, your individual child. So, you know, but yeah, absolutely. Food and feeding kids hits us. Oof, it's a deep emotional one. <laughs> it is. Now, do you find too that uh, this can be a learned trait? So if you have a, an, uh, I don't know, let's say you have a, well, my family, we had four kids. So say kid number two was a picky eater. Do you think that would affect three and four? Do they watch or is it strictly 
within one child sort of thing. It's not going to, you don't as a parent, you don't have to worry about this being passed on to the rest of your children. <laughs> well, every child is individual, as I'm sure you know, as a parent of four, right? Even raised in the same house, you're going to have four little individuals. Mm-hmm. Very much so. <laughs> Absolutely. But, and, but at the same time, yep, kids will always emulate older kids. Mm-hmm. Right, and not we're never going to stop that. <laughs> okay, so, so beware. Yeah, so you want to nip this in the naturally. bud. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You definitely want to nip it in the bud, and uh, yeah. So kids are going to be individuals, but then yes, they're going to be influenced by their older siblings or or other older kids. Mm-hmm. You know, but we can use that for our advantage too. You know, a lot of parents, um, you know, come to me and they're like, ah, oh, so frustrated because their child eats so much better at daycare than they do at home yeah. or their child, you know, never, you know, has been refusing to eat, I don't know, carrots. You've, you've served them carrots a gazillion times. They've never eaten it. And then they go to a friend's house for lunch and they serve carrots and the child eats it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah. You know, and you're like, I want, I want them to eat them for me. Why yeah. did they do it there? And, you know, but their little buddy was sitting there eating carrots. And so they're like, oh. So you okay. need to have buddy at the, the <laughs> dinner table when you're eating these things. You need, you need to find a friend. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's often when kids, you know, move themselves forward in that way. So, but it, you did all the priming. Yeah. All that happened because of the many times that you served carrots and they didn't eat them yet. You know, the studies show that it takes, oh, anywhere from 10 to 30 times of a child seeing a food before they before they try it and maybe like it. And, uh, and, but it's not a guarantee. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, well, I tried the 10th, so this is the 11th time they'll mm-hmm. eat it. <laughs> you know, every child and every food is going to be a little different, as you shared at the opening. You know, you've, I'm sure you've tried cooked carrots more than 10 times. <laughs> yep, I have. I've tried beets more like than 1,000 times, and they still don't go down. Yep, and you can still be healthy without eating beets yep. or, or cooked carrots. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I've seen some studies that show that parents usually give up after about five. Because oh. it seems, well, it's seems a waste. you know, futile. Yeah, it and seems like so, a waste. Yeah, and so what I recommend is, you know, continuing to serve them. Mm-hmm. And because you're still working towards it. Even if they're not eating it, it's still worthwhile because you're getting those exposures. You're working your way mm-hmm. up to that 30 times. And that's why I recommend not making different meals for kids. Because if you, you know, have been up all night Googling, finding recipes, you make a special recipe that you think your child's going to like, and then you put it down, and they, they, they won't even try it. I mean, that's just, you're just going to be so frustrated. Yeah, frustrating. So you don't want to get angry at your child either. I think understanding oh. the reasons for this is, is so beneficial for someone to speak to yeah. you because you don't want to get angry at your child because that just, then that just brings other, a whole different level. Now, when do yeah. you, when do we get to the point, you know, I, where you would would you recommend vitamins if you're seeing that your child is not eating at all do you supplement them or is that something you stay away with at a young age uh you know i sup- supplements aren't ever going to replace food mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I you agree. still need to work towards the food but um yeah i do recommend um for all kids uh unless they're eating like salmon you know, five, six times a week, mm-hmm. uh, a vitamin D. I do recommend that for all kids uh, and 400 uh, units. Okay. And, you know, the fish oils or the omega-3s, you know, they're probably a good idea, again, for most kids, unless you're eating fish and your family 
you know, multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as a multivitamin for kids, yeah, it's kind of hard to, kind of hard to say. Um, I'm not, I don't recommend them for, for kids in a hard way, but I'm not against them either. You know, there's really not enough evidence for me to say absolutely yes or absolutely uh, no. And then I would really need to, as far as, you know, depending on if you're worried they're not eating well, I would need to be doing an assessment of what the child's actually eating and mm-hmm. then make my individual recommendations. It's hard for me to say, you know, on, on the show here, oh, yes, all picky eaters should have such and such a vitamin. Right. It doesn't really work that way. It might help the parent feel better even. I mean, that might uh, that might be one of the reasons that the, the parent might be asking you if they're they're anxious about them not getting enough nutrients Supplementing might make well, them feel better. Well, I think that's better. why a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sales of those of those drinks. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, well that's you know, a that's whole different really show, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's not really an answer. It's making the parents feel feel better. So, you know, I, I offer to actually solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's <laughs> it. You want to get to the, the cause of it. You Like you said uh, initially, you want this, this is a life skill, and you want children to be good eaters and, and know how to make decisions and understand nutrition. I mean, you're not going to explain nutrition to them when they're three, but you set the table and you, you, you do try and educate them a bit by bit as they're moving through. Now, here's, here's a question that, that might hit home quite a bit with people is, I pack this great lunch for my child. They take it to school. They're away for, from, from me for six hours. They come home with the exact same packed lunch that I sent them with. Is that alarming? You know, that happens a lot for kids. Um, It really is a learned skill for how to eat your lunch in the school environment, Mm -hmm. right? If we, you know, we know how to do it because we're adults, but we need to put ourselves back in in our little kids' um, shoes. And especially, you know, that first, you know, grade one or that first year of kindergarten, you know, um, it's very different than sitting at the family table mm-hmm. and and eating lunch. And so a lot of kids take a while. You know, it might take almost that first school year to to learn how to f- focus mm-hmm. and eat your meal because, you know, they want to talk with their friends. There's all this stuff going on. As you said, your little Peter Pan guy, yeah, you know, he a lot wants of to stimulation. run around and play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, what I recommend is um, um, for kids – you know, keep packing that lunch because it is a learned skill. They need to learn it. Some kids learn it faster than others. And plan for a really big after-school snack. Fair enough. Do you find a difference <laughs> between boys and girls when it comes to this particular situation? Are, are boys boys are more active? I think I don't. You know, I don't have science behind it, but I've I've got two and two, and the boys are more active, at least in my family. So I'm going to extend that out to the greater world. So, do you find that boys are a lot harder to sit, eat? This is your time than girls. Uh, no, I wouldn't. You don't. I wouldn't paint that broad a picture. I find some kids find it easier, and some kids find it harder. So, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put a boy girl. label on it okay yeah it was just in my my small dynamic my boys were (laughs) my boys were busy boys so we are coming you know i've i have so many questions it almost warrants having you back again for the rest of the questions i i do i do want to ask one quick one for my own benefit will kids when they're hungry 
eat. So if if you say, you know, I'm not going to feed them anything because this was I don't know if this is a fallacy, an old wives' tale, but uh, you know, I was I was told that when your child is hungry, they'll eat. So you don't feed them anything until they eat what's sitting there in front of them. So you're getting at kind of two things. So as I as I shared a little bit earlier, when things are going well, absolutely, children know when they're hungry and they will satisfy that hunger. But if the food is so stressful, like being at that table, all the pressure, all the stress is there, and they're trying to decide which is the worst, which is mm-hmm. worse, the feeling of hunger or all this stress. Some kids will say all this stress is worse, so they'll choose to stay hungry. Okay. Instead of facing all of that. So they want this. So, so this is this goes far beyond the 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 innate instinct of hunger. This is this is something that it really does need to be addressed. It's very important to address on on behalf of the I, whole yeah. family for the sanity mm-hmm. of the whole family. Well, this has been an extremely interesting show, and I'd love to have you back to discuss. For I mean, this is just and this is just one area of of your your lifestyle that you're dealing with. You deal with a bunch of different topics. Um, your website is awesome. It's uh, www.kristenyarker.com. And, it, you know, go to the site, see what Kristen does, see all the accolades that have been put forth to her name. And it is important to get in front of these things. And, you know, now I think more than, you know, when my children were young, there are people that you can go and talk to. And I think probably one of the, the big things to come out of this show is that nobody's at fault here. And you can get to the bottom of these things with the proper help. And it's, it's important to, to get in front of these things and to address them. So I'd like to thank you so much, Kristen, for being on the show. I'm very, very happy to have you on the show. It was a great, great conversation. And we always have our tip of the day. And I'd like you to end off with that. But just I'll give you a couple more contacts for Kristen here. Uh, on Pinterest, she's Kristen Yarker. Instagram again, Kristen Yarker. You're good to get all those tags. I couldn't get all my names on those like this. And Facebook <laughs> is Kristen Yarker Nutrition. So do look her up. So many great resources right on her website. And end off the show today, Kristen, if you would, with your tip of the day. Great. Well, summing up what we've been talking about, in the pursuit of getting picky eaters to eat healthy food, always with the best of intentions, parents can get off in the wrong track of arguing with kids to eat a certain number of bites, making multiple meals, staying up until I am Googling for the magical recipe that your child will eat. The good news is that it's not that hard. The best way to raise a healthy eater is to serve healthy food repeatedly, mm-hmm. <laughs> to eat it together, and to enjoy each other's company while you're doing it. A, fra- a saying that I love that I'll leave you with is, what your children really want for dinner is you. Well, that's an awesome way to end the show off. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the Health Hub, and we will speak with you next week. Have a great week, everybody.
have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.